Back in 2016, Tim is with me once again. Oh, so happy to be here. Uh, Mark is still uh, buried in entertainment work hell for that seven-day-a-week grind he's been doing all Mark the Mark and his real job showing <laughs> off. Just showing off. But uh, we will see him tomorrow night at our L.A. Film Critic Dinner. Looking forward to that, Tim? Where we all get dressed up yeah. uh, and go out and hang out with the, um, the people we criticize all year, which is uh, frankly kind of strange. I, just, I must say, it, it, it's it is a weird. weird sort of thing. We sort of rag on these people for 12 months, and then we give them a party. And, uh, you know, I remember a few years ago when we gave uh, Best Actor to Sean Penn for Milk. There was a really – because what they always do when they go up, they always feel the need to sort of cater to the group. If you're, talk, if you're accepting an award from the, the Hollywood Foreign Press at the Golden Globes, you make sure you make reference to the foreign press. And with, with, with the L.A. film critics, uh, you know, they always will single out somebody. And I remember Sean Penn specifically singled out Kenny Turan's L.A. Times review. Yeah. And you could tell Ed, Kenny was loving it. He was sitting there. He was laughing. He was having such a great time because Sean Penn is up there in front of a room full of 300 people and talking about him. And it, you know, it's and when you hide behind a byline most of your career, it's it's kind of nice for those things to happen. But it was a very very funny speech. I I, I still remember that it's just talking about how Turan's review basically said, well, we expect him to be great, and he just the the the, the, the weight <laughs> of the expectations just made him panic. So. Yeah, well, our show uh, or our dinner yeah. ceremony is not televised or broadcast in any particular way, which it's, I think makes for a completely different sort of... It, is they it did, streamed now? They, They've they, streamed it a couple of years. They did, yeah, Skype once, I think, something like that. But yeah. it, it makes for a completely different sort of evening. I know a few years ago when I wasn't able to make it, I, uh, the, the when, my daughter, when my daughter was you know, a, a, an infant, I, I watched the whole thing just lying in bed well, with her sleeping. Was that the Doris Day? Uh, was that the Doris Day? No, event? I was at the Doris Day event. Oh, you were that, at that was one, a bit okay. of a train wreck. Oh, that was crazy. Um, yeah, the Skype that didn't really <laughs> Skype was <laughs> a co- Skype. Skype was a co-sponsor of the evening, and we talked to Doris Day via Skype, and it didn't work. Uh, didn't Somebody work should right. have introduced her to the technology. And I, I don't know if, if Skype ever actually paid their sponsorship <laughs> fee for that. That was a that was an issue for a few years. But in any case, uh, it's going to be a fun night. Yes, it is. It's going to be a good night, and uh, I get to I get to present uh, yeah, career achievement award to. Anne V. Coates. Oh, lovely, of course. The editor wonderful of editor. Lawrence of Arabia. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I did something very interesting. I'm going to give a little preview to you and to the listeners. Of course, by the time they most of them hear this, the awards show will probably be over. But um, because the thing that I want to focus on in, in my very brief comments is that um, a, a great artist, you know, you can tell the quality of their work by looking at, their, at the work they've done. But you have to look at their influence to really see their longevity. And um, I watched, I marathoned, believe it or not, Bridge in the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia, and Dr. Zhivago. Mm. And, because I wanted to sort of evaluate just exactly how much she impacted David Lean's filmmaking. And I'll tell you, even though she didn't edit Dr. Zhivago, her influence is all over that movie. Mm. The, uh, David Lean edited uh, Bridge in the River Kwai very much the way that he edited all of his previous films, 30s and 40s into the 50s, you know, very traditional, lots of dissolves, kind of very, very, uh, you know, very classical filmmaking. And what she brought, it was this dynamism in the way that scenes are juxtaposed, and that's all over the place in Dr. Zhivago. It's all over the place. And that particular sort of female sensibility, too. Absolutely. A passion uh, that I think, you know, comes from there. Yep. For sure. All right. Well, you know what? We, uh, we after the holiday shows, a bunch of late-breaking box sets came in. So I uh, want to go through and just make sure that people are on, on deck with a lot of these. Um, if you have some Christmas money, if you have some uh, Hanukkah money, if you have some leftover holiday money, uh, let me tell you what, what you can probably do with it, the stuff that you didn't get in your stocking. Uh, the complete series of Dexter, all eight seasons, in a absolutely gorgeous uh, Showtime box DVD set two enormous uh, keep cases with uh, four seasons apiece in them uh, just a really beautiful set and I was never a fan of this show but I think you liked it probably better than I did Dexter was an interesting show it was the performances that I liked the most about that show I had a couple of friends that appeared in that series too so yeah buy that set get them some royalties <laughs> and then we also have the X-Files uh, the X-Files which is back 
Did you ever think that was going to happen? And it shouldn't happen. But go. But we'll we'll, we'll talk about this. This this series frustrated. That that's a beautiful box. I'll I'll let you continue because yeah. that really is a beautiful. It's box. It's a gorgeous box. This is the collector's set, the X Files collector's set uh, in a huge 20th century box like. This is one of those boxes that's it's almost like the size of a uh, a uh, coffee table book, but uh, it's huge. It's gorgeous, and it's got twenty three hours of content, new to Blu-ray. Mm. So you could literally just lock yourself in front of the widescreen and spend a whole week just watching X Files and catching up, so that you're all primed and, and addicted for the new series. I, I adored the X Files series. I was one of the true believers. I was a Chris Carter guy, right? So I stuck mm. with this series. I stuck with this series. What was it? Nine seasons? I think it was nine seasons, if I'm not mistaken, right? Well, well, uh, it is. Yes, it is absolutely. Uh, it's just walloping. It, it's now. I, I, I'm watching this series, and, and suddenly I realized that Mulder and Scully are no longer in the series. Although they haven't left the series, they're just never in any of the episodes. It's like <laughs> it's like when you were watching Moonlighting 30 years ago, and and, and Dave and Maddie sort of left the show, <laughs> but they still called it Moonlighting, and they mm-hmm. still showed them in every episode. They literally left the show, and they just didn't say so. It was the cheatiest thing <laughs> a network series has ever done is replace the leads without ever really saying, you know, they're never coming back. <laughs> this is a different show now. Closest thing I can think of is when the Dukes of Hazard went, they had that contract dispute with uh, with, with uh, Schneider and Wolfat and went and found, like, their cousins, cousins. which is basically a couple of untalented <laughs> models who just looked exactly like them to swap in for a few episodes. And, and then there was, and then there was a uh, there was a really embarrassing episode where they, they they finally got the contract sorted out and they brought them back. <laughs> and there's like this moment where they like wave, hey cuz, and they want they just literally walk. How awkward was that? It's like, oh, so you're the scabs who took oh. our jobs for a month. Oh, wow. Oh, well, anyway, this has space for the new uh, event series that is uh, that is airing this year, and uh, so you know they want you to buy this so that you plug that one in, like in the James Bond sets. I don't right? suppose the movies are related to that box set in any way, right? No. The X Files. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, did you like the movie? No. 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 Exhibit. Yeah. Exhibit as yeah. an FBI agent. That's yeah. insane. That's just insane. Anyway, we also have uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt as the Ghost Whisperer. The complete series, one hundred and seven episodes. I had no idea it ran that long. When I think of the fact that the Ghost Whisperer has more episodes than Star Trek, somehow I bristle at that. <laughs> this is what I can say about that series. Jennifer Love Hewitt is really hot. Yeah, true. Uh, all the time. I don't anyway, have any other thoughts about it? Not a lot of special features here. Uh, there's a, the other side web series and uh, a few audio commentaries and deleted scenes, some featurettes, uh, and it includes the final season on a separate keep case. So it's got one of those big old thick ones for seasons one through four, uh, like on Dexter, and then you got the final season uh, on uh, on a separate uh, separate case. I so, got Hannibal over here. Um, yeah. on Blu-ray. Interesting. Now I, I did not watch this series very much, but I got to tell you. I'm a big Mads Mickelson fan. Love Mads Mickelson. And if anybody's going to play Lecter, that's not Anthony Hopkins. I'm thinking Mads yeah, Mickelson. Sure. He'd probably pull it off. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll be interested to sort of dig into this a little bit. Um, uh, Hugh Dancy, uh, uh, Jillian Anderson, interesting. Since we were just talking about the X Files a second ago, and it seems to have been quite a popular show. Uh, this is the Blu-ray. Uh, that we have here with not a whole lot of stuff on it, but, you know, it's a series that some people are into. Uh, a couple from the History Channel, uh, the uh, War Collection and the Bible Collection. They, of course, uh, 16 discs on the Bible Collection, 17 discs on the uh, War Collection. This is the History Channel just kind of cleaning house, going around, finding some stuff that they need to uh, get a little bit of extra earnings on, and they just slap them all together in these semi-related uh, documentary compilations. Uh, there's a few decent stuff in here. The The Bible one uh, has has some stuff in it that you know we've talked about in other shows. Um, Banned from the Bible 2 and Banned from the Bible 1 are uh, a couple of really interesting little docs. And then there's um, uh, the, uh, the Execution of Jesus, uh, which is always interesting. Um, and then on the War set... Is uh, there were three on here that I actually wanted to recommend. Vietnam in HD is really, really good. Uh, the Mexican-American War is like the only documentary I've ever seen about that war. And then uh, Battlefield Detectives, the War of 1812. Really interesting. cool. Really interesting. interesting. Uh, I got Marco Polo over here. This is an original Netflix series. Uh, again, didn't get a chance to watch this one yet, yeah. but it's always struck me as sort of interesting. This one follows the adventures of a young Marco Polo. Uh, who finds himself in the uh, in the uh, court of the Kublai Khan? Yeah. This is all stuff that I just absolutely love. 
uh, and I'm definitely going to dig into this. Uh, special features. This one has a documentary on it, uh, some uh, uh, martial arts uh, features and the visual effects and stuff like that. Marco Polo, uh, the complete first season. This, uh, this is an interesting series because the... Um, uh, you know, it sort of uh, splashes it up a little bit, to Game of Thrones style. You know, mm. the the whole idea is to kind of sex it up a little bit because the last Marco Polo that we had was that uh, that eighties series, the eighties miniseries that was sort of trying to. You know, you remember that eighties miniseries? No, I'm trying to think of that. There was a, there was a Marco Polo series in the eighties uh, with a uh, Ennio Morricone score, which okay. was lovely. And it starred the guy from Krull. Um, uh, uh, Kevin Sorbo. No, 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 Not no, no, Kevin no, no. From Krull. From Krull. I Krull, the movie Krull. I uh, remember you, that you, one. Yeah. Krull was the uh, was the, uh, the, the Cyclops the, and the guy. That's yeah. the thing with yeah. the the James Horner score. Anyway, the uh, who's the guy, the kid whose name I just drawn a blank on. But anyway, they, they threw him in as Marco Polo. And the only thing that I remember that was really distinctive about that was that uh, Leonard Nimoy. Played um, like the you know the vizier in the court of Kublai Khan or something. It was it was just strange seeing Leonard Nimoy there and just going. Uh, you, you, they really you're you're a you're you're a Jewish man, but but you you play aliens and Chinese and Mongols, and it's very it's, uh, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he wasn't green. Didn't have pointy ears. No. Uh, also, real quickly, the uh, Jag. The complete series, Judge Advocate General. You know, uh, Mark and I have talked about this a lot in the cast because, in the past because of uh, Catherine Bell. Yeah. Uh, because she was in the uh, in our friend Norman's short film, which Mark and I both worked on when Norman and I were in film school. Oh, uh, okay, the film school film. Yeah, I was yes, thinking about a different was, film that I think I different film, right? Yes, th- okay. that's this was this was a this was a, a rather notorious film, and and she had a rather notorious scene in the student film, which you wouldn't think somebody would do in a student film. <laughs> but uh, she did, and we uh, we cleared the room. And Didn't I hurt her career. Any? It sure did not. She wound up on a TV show, and where are we? So uh, anyway, the uh, this is uh, another giant box. They got the four season uh, keep cases in here for one through four, five through eight, and then a smaller keep case for uh, seasons nine and ten. Let me repeat: Jag ran for ten years. That blows me away. I just don't get it. You know, uh, people made whole careers off of some of those shows. Ten. Blows years. me away. Blows me away. Unreal. I've got the uh, True Detective, the, the the complete second season, which was apparently not as popular as the first season, which I did in fact watch. You know this this season. I have I have watched some of this, and uh, I think be, I think people are too hard on it. I got to be honest. I think because it's not. Here's what I here's what I think. I think they did a really smart thing by trying to go in a completely different direction and redo the show. Mm. Unfortunately, everybody loved the first season so much they wanted the second season to be more the same, which it is not. Yeah, different actors, different director. You know, it's a, it's a you know, sort of an anthology, a different sort of sensibility, and you have they to reinvented give it room it. to go. You know? Yeah, um, yeah, they reinvented it. Set in L.A. This one, right? Yeah. How did you feel about it? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I don't think it's it's brilliant. I didn't think the first season was brilliant. Um, again, I haven't seen this entire season, so I. But it certainly what I what I have seen strikes me as being um, fine. Certainly yeah. fine. I mean, it, it worth worth keeping worth keeping it going. A lot, a lot of bonus features on this uh, making of this, that, and the other thing. Look inside yeah. True Detective. A lot of good stuff on this. So yeah. True Detective second complete season. Yeah. On Blu-ray. You know what ran for nine seasons, Tim? <laughs> Matlock. That I don't have any trouble believing, though. How 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 interesting can it be watching Andy Griffith basically be, be a geriatric Perry Mason yeah. week in and week? I guess if you're like seventy five years old and you know this is all you have to look forward to every week. But seriously, I between mean, between that and the uh, what was the other one? Jessica, what's her, Murder She Wrote? Yes, Murder She Wrote. Uh, the, something about the eighties and that CBS. Allowed, CBS did a, in that period. These sort of geriatric uh, writer, mm-hmm. lawyer, detective-y types uh, just rule the roost. And there are no extras on here. So really all there is to appeal to anybody um, is just Andy Griffith. It's a good-looking box, it. though. Good-looking white nice box. box. It's all yeah, laid out. Big, big, old, big, heavy, yeah. big old heavy Matlock complete season. Uh, I got uh, Shameless on Blu-ray, the complete fifth season of Shameless. I, I watched the first season of this show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely uh, dug the, the just the feeling of the show and never came back to watch any of the other seasons here. So I don't know. Maybe I, sh- I need to get caught up with this one. Um, 
Certainly it was a very, very funny show. It, it, it's still going strong, I do know that. This one has some special features, uh, a couple of featurettes, uh, commentary uh, track uh, on it from epi for epi on episode seven is where it is, and a few other things. So if you're a fan of this, you're probably going to want to get in touch uh, with uh, the complete fifth season of Shameless on Blu-ray. Yeah. And what else? Oh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm one of the few people I know who love this this series. I love these two girls from Broad City. Oh, totally. The second season Comedy of Broad Central. City. Comedy Central. I'm sorry. These girls are just absolutely hysterical. And this is a very, very funny show. A little raw, uh, you know, a, a, a little blue every now and again. This is full of uh, outtakes, deleted scenes, uh, some pop-up menus, and, and some other things there. So if you dig this series or if you haven't seen this series and you like television shows about sassy gals uh, running around New York, check out the second season of Broad City. Uh, Stars had this thing called Flesh and Bone, which was a limited series uh, from uh, Moira Wally Beckett, who uh, was a producer on Breaking Bad. Anyway, the idea here, it, this is actually a really, really good show, and Stars is doing a lot of good work, and they kind of get lost between the Showtimes and the HBOs, I think. But um, They do. They really do, but they, they do a lot of really interesting stuff. And uh, the idea here is you're following, it, it's, it's centered around a young ballet dancer, but it's not sort of, it's not the usual ballet thing. It I is, remember this. Yeah. Now it's just reoccurring. Yes, I do remember. It this. is. It, it is. It is about. It, it, it's not like, hey, isn't ballet wonderful? It is just how horrific and and grueling uh, the ballet world is. Particularly uh, the physical stuff. It, yeah. It's just the competition it, and the emotions that you undergo, and and it's just it's really really brutal. But it is so incredibly done, and uh, it 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 really get. It's just it gets inside that world in a really compelling way. Uh, and this is on Blu-ray, and uh, if you missed this, you definitely need to check this out. Even if you are not a fan of ballet, uh, this is not. And I've heard some people say, "Oh, this is uh, you know uh, a uh, uh, this is like a chick flick thing." No, it's not. Like dudes will will be so. You will never look at ballet as something dainty and delicate ever again. Yeah. You will be so impressed by by what it takes to actually make it in this world. It is it is incredible. The world of Misty Uppen. Uh -huh. This blows me away a little bit. I got Teen Wolf here. Oh, Believe dear. it or not, part one of season five. I know. Michael J. Fox made that mediocre movie, I think probably after or between some of those. In, in, I don't know, it was in the middle 80s or the late 80s that he made that, that movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to see that movie then and thinking to myself, well, well, you know, everybody deserves a stinker every now and again. And then Jason Bateman was, no, it was Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf T 2 was Jason Bateman, which was a you know, bad, bad move for him. Yeah. And here we are. Nearly 30 years later. Now, I do know that this series is much darker, uh, kind of brutal. It's one of those sort of CW sort of things, MTV yeah. CW sort of things. So, anyway, uh, for fans of Teen Wolf, uh, this includes some collectible bonus cards and a few other knickknacks, along with some special features, including a gag reel. One wonders what the gag reel would be on the Teen Wolf uh, Watcher Pack DVD. Uh, this is a DVD, by the way, not a Blu-ray. Yes. And also a DVD is uh, The Comedian is a Complete Series, which is a short, uh, very short series, only 13 episodes, uh, that paired uh, Billy Crystal and Josh Gad, both of them very, very funny, um, but the, the independently funny, I should say. Um, but the whole thing here, which is kind of centered around this uh, late night comedy show, uh, not so, not not that great. I, I'm afraid to say it's fine. It, it, it's not disappointing. But was it sort of meta? Was it meant to be meta? Yeah, sort of like a little a bit. Dirty, it, rocky. It, it, you know what? It just uh, all, all I all I could think of in watching this is just how much more I like it. It, it makes when a show makes you think about other shows that you like better. Yeah, that's a problem. And all this made me do was think about oh boy, I really loved like the Gary Shandling show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like those were so smart and so cool and so hip. And why it's can't too bad they, I'm not watching. Why can't that. they? Why am I? Why am I not watching that? But uh, anyway, you they, you get a lot of great people showing up in this. Uh, Mel Brooks show pops in. Dana Delaney pops in, and I'm always happy when Dana Delaney pops in. <gasps> Can't go wrong with Damon Delaney. Nope. Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the complete season 10. I, you know, sometimes I wonder, how do they count these seasons? You know, back in the day, you know, when we were growing up watching television, a season was effectively... September to June. Yes. <laughs> you know? And yeah. now I wonder, yeah. you, because these shows have way too many seasons. Anyway, uh, Always is Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, this is... Um, 
a neat little look at little box. You're all sort of tricked out like a, yeah. a, 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 a kiss. Like kiss. It was kiss, right? It was kiss. Yeah. It was uh, yeah. a special features gag reel and a couple things like that. Again, uh, two disc set uh, contains all ten episodes uh, of season ten. Um, DVD, not Blu-ray. DVD. That's it. Yeah. And uh, Ancient Aliens season eight from the History Channel uh, on two discs. You know, it's the it's the usual deal. It's, they continue to somehow milk this uh, milk the old Eric Von Daniken stuff. Far more than he ever thought he could. Uh, really, it's this is you know this is the outer space connection and chariots of the gods and all that stuff that I grew up on with those Schick Sun classic movies in the nineteen yeah. seventies, and I kind of thought that that was all you know really stretched and debunked. But my goodness, they just keep coming up with stuff with you know the, the, the with the, the the satellites and the the the, the, the telescopes and yeah. everything the oh new evidence it looks like that little small hieroglyph somewhere in a tomb in uh, you know in the valley of the kings in Egypt actually could really be the aura around this new star that we discovered holy cow stop it yeah, yeah. um it's entertaining but it's it's not it's not legit but Man anyway. of the moon the face on mars etc yeah. etc <laughs> Ray Donovan, season three, all 12 episodes on Blu-ray. Ray Donovan is not a series that I ever got into. Started watching Ray Donovan season one, thought it was kind of interesting for a while, then it sort of just evolved into a sort of standard tough guy series. Uh, what I liked about it is that it was set in L.A. Yeah. Uh, L.A. looked pretty good, that first season anyway, made L.A. Yeah. look like you know the city that it is. But I, I, I was never able to develop any empathy. For Ray Donovan's character. Yeah, me neither. But I, I do kind of like the vibe of the show. I, um, Mr. Voigt steals it, anyway. Yeah, and we're, and we're going to talk about, uh, about uh, Mr. Schreiber a little bit later as well with Pawn Sacrifice, yeah. if, we yeah. can, if we can get around to that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I, think, I think this show has earned itself a little spot. And I know, I know people who just swear by this show. This is their yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, season know. three, you know, uh, Ray Donovan, all 12 episodes on Blu-ray. Yay. All right, that is it for television. Um, uh, Tim, we got... Oh, yeah, 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 you got a couple more I, gotta, I, I, I do. I'll, I'll, I'll knock off Extant real yeah. here. Just because Halle Berry's television show, produced by Steven Spielberg, um, again, watched, watched uh, you know, the, the first season of this fairly uh, religiously. It was sort of interesting for a while. They had, had a bit of AI going... Remember the, AI, the movie uh, yeah, AI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit of that going on in the movie. Uh, tried to stay very sciencey. You know, tried to keep it legit in that way. Went a little bit soap opery toward the end of the first season. This is the second season of Extant. Have not seen this yet on Blu-ray. Uh, lots of special features uh, here. Look inside the show, uh, Carnival of the Mind, all kinds of things there. I don't know. I'm thinking that I might check this out. For one thing, love me some Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah, love him. He's great, isn't just, he? Just fantastic in the show. I mean, you know, you know, love some Halle Berry too, but but really like that. So I might check out the second season, despite the fact that it sort of lost me at the end of the first. And we got some Jeffrey Dean Morgan later too, if we can get around to Heist, which is uh, an interesting little performance for him. And then uh, here is our true last for television: Married, the complete season two from Fox, uh, which is uh, thirteen episodes on two discs. A uh, uh, not a bad half hour show. Um, uh, the, uh, basically kind of a, uh, you know, it's not Ingmar Bergman scenes from a marriage, <laughs> but but uh, it's not bad. It's it's decently written, and uh, it's got some pretty good performances in it. I'm not familiar with anybody in the cast other than Paul Reiser, uh, but, you know, he and he's gotten old. Well, you I mean, know, it's not yeah. like it's not like he's using a cane or anything. But you look at him, and you're like, you're. Paul, but, but Paul's uh, been around a while longer than we thought. Paul yeah. had been around. He was running around in Aliens. Oh my god! Uh, pretending to be thirty when he was thirty-five. Crazy. You know, it's, it's it's one of those situations. Yeah. What I do like about that show, and and and, and Paul Reiser. What was that other one he was on with uh, Helen Hunt for years and years? Uh, happy for you, Mary something, to you, something, to something you, like that. Some, yeah, whatever. It, it was. I, I always liked that his shows were not the stupid husband shows. No. You know, as opposed to some of the other sitcoms where it would be the stupid husband sitcoms, you know. He didn't. He never did those. He was, he was always a bright guy. The wife was bright. Everybody's bright. And then we're just going to do the sitcom. Have you noticed that the guys who, all of these guys who really, really make their careers doing stand-up, and then they get the sitcom and the movie career and all of that, they almost, almost to a one, they never go back to doing stand-up. Yeah. Have you noticed this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when was the last time that Louis C.K., uh, Chris Rock. Um, uh, the, only, uh, the only one that goes back that has gone back fairly regularly, and it took him a long time before he yeah. did the first time, was Jerry. It, it was, was Jerry did. went back. Yeah, and and Jay Leno still does it. 
but uh, Richard Lewis still does it. That generation, they're yeah. still hooked into it. But what's his face? Uh, home Improvement. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Tim. Tim Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do it anymore. I mean, it's like they, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Price is Right. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Drew, Drew Carey. Uh, Drew Carey doesn't yeah. do it. They, like, they literally give it up. Or, well, uh, they'd rather host a game show yeah, <laughs> than, yeah, than face yeah. a stand-up audience. I mean, uh, Eddie Murphy. We were talking about Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Murphy anymore. hadn't done stand-up until... I think he got a I think he got a Kennedy Center award. No, no, a Mark Twain award. Absolutely. A couple of months ago, that's the first time he had done something close to stand up in almost 25 years. It's it is really really strange, but uh, I, yeah, I, I just I just wonder what is it about about that? Well, stand up is hard. I've done stand up, uh, and stand up is a hard. It can also be uh, humiliating. But, but you know, a certain generation, they like Carlin, always did it. Yeah, never stopped. Just, yeah. Just well, that loved was the, it. it was like the engine for the thing yeah. in, the, in the first place. Yeah. And then you had uh, a lot of these cats. They were looking to be television stars. There was a whole run, probably beginning with Roseanne, Jeff Foxworthy, yeah, um, Brett Butler. Uh, you know, late seventies to the middle eighties. All of these stand-up comedians that got sitcoms. Then it yeah. became the thing to do. The way you got a sitcom. Was to be, be a stand-up comedian, and then you would get it. Richard Lewis got one uh, with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and, yeah. And but that's what they were actually doing. They were they became sitcoms, uh, they became stand-ups, yeah. so they could get sitcoms. And Steve Harvey seems to have turned the uh, Miss America pageant into a stand-up they, routine they, too. They, they. <laughs> oh man, oh man, oh man. You know what's funny about that? I still don't know uh, who. Uh, did Ms. you see Philippines the card? Is. Did you see the card they handed to him? No, I don't think I did. Really... It's a completely understandable mistake. It was just horribly written on the card. Uh, I mean, you look at that and you just think, really, this is how many like millions of dollars are being spent on this event, and you pack, you have like some piece of paper that was printed on a dot matrix printer <laughs> with with absolutely no clear indication as to who won what. It's just it was horrible. You would think that there would have been I don't know some sort of a run through. You would think. <laughs> hey, Steve. No, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. You know, he 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 played it off really very nicely. What's funny is I still don't know who Miss Philippines is. I still don't know. I, I neither do I. <laughs> Which I just feel so bad for don't her. Don't pay attention to the man anymore. Um, so we're going to get into some new movies now. We, some of the 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 uh, splashy new stuff that's come out in the past few weeks, uh, both uh, direct to DVD uh, or Blu-ray. Uh, you know, I got a sharp little movie here I want to shine a light on. Life's Journey, L-Y-F-E, Life's Journey. Um, uh, this is one of those faith-based films that uh, has some really decent crossover in it and a really, really great performance by Keith Robinson. Um, this is it basically just one of those stories about a guy with a lot of trouble in his life who's looking for redemption and trying to find it in family and friends and faith and all of that. And even if you're not a faith person, um, it's just, it's really, it is very, very touching and very affecting. Uh, Keith Robinson co-stars along with Rich T. Jones and Angel Conwell. Uh, Rich D. Jones got yeah, old, I got, too. I, well, I, I, gotta, I, I know all those guys. I yeah. know Keith. I know Rich. I've known Rich for 25 years, and so I can't call him old because I'm older than him. Keith, uh, Keith's Keith is wonderful. Love Keith. He's very sharp. Keith is a wonderful singer, too, by the way. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He put out a couple of records. In, and you know what that is? That It's not a Tyler Perry movie. No, it's not. You know, if in, in people it's who know very, Tyler Perry movies it's a know very what I mean. gentle, humanistic story. Yeah. And and again, you don't it have doesn't to... sit right on top of it like some of the ones that um who was it? Kurt uh yeah, kid used to uh, Kurt, I think it used to be on uh, oh, Kurt Cameron. Yeah, he no, 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 no. the fireproof and yeah, no, it doesn't no. sit right on top of like no. that. Dude, did you see the intern when it came out, Robert Nero I did. Hathaway? I did. I I'm was sorry, like, this movie was just fantastic. I was one of the you you and I are like the only two people that get cut this movie a break. It was funny, it was sweet, it is not as Absolutely. simplistic as you yep. think it it's not I just agree. about the old guy and the young guy. No. Nope. These people are in Sapatico. Robert De Niro isn't yeah. a dotling old no. idiot. It takes him a second to catch up, but when yeah. he catches up, he catches up. It is, it, it, you know, I, I have often been really brutal on Nancy Myers, but I, look, you know, she, we, for those who don't know, Nancy Myers and her her, her Charles, ex-husband Charles, Charles Shire, Shire. Yeah, they did, thing. you know, Private Benjamin and Irreconcilable Differences and a lot of these movies. And then Charles, then he went and slept with the nanny like they all do yeah. and uh, went off and they got divorced and he's gone on to make some truly horrible movies. But she has kind of become the new Nora Ephron, right? Yeah, yeah. since then, it's complicated. Which I really liked. Uh, she, all of her big movies are post-him. You, uh, know, you, know you know when I knew that It's Complicated was totally going to hit a nerve? Uh, I went, we went and saw that with my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And she laughed herself <laughs> almost <laughs> unconscious at that movie. And I thought, she's hit a nerve. 
people yeah. of a certain age, this hits the, this hits them right where it counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it and this one too, and it's interesting because you do have this. You have Anne Hathaway, yeah. young, lovely woman running a company. You know, started yeah. a little startup, but great, great dot com. Uh, you know, uh, doesn't yeah. know the things she doesn't know. You yeah. got then you got Robert De Niro, this older guy, retired guy, tried to pull off his retirement, can't quite pull off, yeah. wants to get back in the world. He doesn't know some of the things that she knows. Yeah. Together, what is it? Reese's, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those kind of things. <laughs> it is. And, the, and these young guys, I love. This is what I love about these the, the young guys. I think Josh Gad is yeah. one of them. Walking yeah. around the movie, and they real. It's not the the ordinary thing of where they're going to just you know uh, poke fun at the old guy. Yeah. No, they realize that old guy <laughs> knows some stuff we yeah. don't know about everything on the planet, and they he becomes. A mentor without becoming that sort of mentor. It is. It is a sharp little script. It, it has a little mini kind of heist interlude uh, slapstick moment that I thought was a little misplaced. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, there's you know, there's a, there's a moment where he's walking around with the other interns and they ask him, "You remember this?" Where, where they go, "So you you shave every day, <laughs> like every day?" He goes, "Yeah." Even Sunday, and he's yeah. Uh, they, they just can't comprehend it. They're all scraggly millennials. He wears a suit and a tie every day. And he looks great, great every day. Uh, special features, uh, you know, uh, interesting stuff. Fun movie though. Watch it just because it's a fun movie. Don't believe what people tell you. Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Absolutely horrendous. This is just such a terrible film. Uh, they try to make it look all comic booky and everything, but this is basically this is you know this is like trying to take uh, uh, super bad and mash it with a zombie movie. Uh, a couple of these you know nerdy losers who are they're scouts, right? But they don't really want to be scouts. And the guys we would just, we just want to get laid. That whole thing we got to go to the graduation party. We don't want to wear our scout uniforms. And somehow for uh, some stupid reason, everyone starts turning into a zombie, and they wind up you know uh, hooking up with uh, some. You know the the hot girl who graduated some years earlier that they think is a stripper, but she's really a bartender and yeah. she knows how to wield a shotgun for some crazy reason. Anyway, there there are moments in here that that it's somewhere between Super Bad and Harold and Kumar, yeah. and there are moments that for me, I know people like Harold and Kumar, but there are moments that are Harold and Kumar horrible. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, when when uh, people are actually swinging like Tarzan from the extended members of zombies and then they tear <laughs> off and they go flying through the air and that kind of stuff. No, I do not want to see that. There is no reason for that. Uh, this is as lowbrow as it comes. Really unfortunate. Uh, DVD, well. DVD and Blu-ray combo set. If it matters with ultraviolet. Yes, <laughs> add it to your ultraviolet library by all means. You know, I did not uh, I did not see this movie, The Gambler, with Mark Wahlberg and you know, the, the thing yeah. with um, John Goodman and all that kind of stuff. I didn't see it when it came Mid out. Middling. Mid it felt middling yeah. uh, in the stuff. Plus, you know, watching those trailers for the movie, this guy's an English professor, very bright, uh, yeah. secret life as a as a gambler, you know, has to borrow money from a from from John Goodman, the kind of guy that tells you what he's going to do with your head, mm. you know, if you don't pay him back his money, and then he tells him what he's going to do with your mom's head if you don't, you know. And, and the thing about those movies that always strike me as strange is. Why would you loan this guy the money? I don't know. If you, I, I'm not going to loan you any money. You're just no. going to lose it. You're an idiot. And I don't want to do all those things. So anyway, um, uh, The Gambler, Blu-ray, yeah. uh, lots of special features on this thing. Uh, maybe if you're a Mark Wahlberg fan. Uh, got some little indies here that are worth checking out. Um, Where Children Play, uh, starring, of all people, Macy Gray. Macy Gray is Macy. back. She's back. back acting. She's kind of back acting, and uh, she's not bad. Uh, Tiona, really? pa yeah, Tiona Paris, Brian White, Macy Gray, where children play. Um, a good, good, solid, uh, low-budget little drama. Um, a, you know, nothing, nothing sort of spectacular, but it's uh, it's definitely worth checking out. So, um, Tiona is in uh, Chirac right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, is she really? Yeah, she's in Chirac. Which I still have not seen. Oh, it's fantastic. And I she need was to. In, uh, she was in Dear White People as well. As I recall, she's That's very right. good. She's outstanding. Yeah. She plays Lissa Strata in, yeah. in Chirac. Anyway, basically, a story of you know somebody trying to sort of uh, a, a woman trying to put her life together again, and uh, and you know finding out that her mom's passed away, and sort of what the, what it transpires in the wake of that. But a lot of people showing up there that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, you know, Leon Robinson and uh, you know Brian White. Uh, some some really good performances. So uh, nice to see some people show up again, and uh, also all about E. Which is uh, which comes to us from Wolf, 
this is a, uh, a lesbian romance uh, set in Australia. You don't need to tell me anything else. I mean, you had me at lesbian romance. And with with a with a really interest. It's not it's not just a romance. It's it's got a really kind of funky. Um, heisty, uh, you know, girls on the run, sort of Thelma and Louise oh, oh. thing going to it as well. So um, I don't want to say any more, but it's, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe it might even be a little bit more like um, what was the, when Danny Boyle did his, his ba- bag of money movies, there was, oh, there was yeah, the, uh, uh, Shallow Grave and the millions, but no, there's another one. What's the one in there with Holly Hunter as the, oh, uh, the crazy uh, angel? Oh, Life Less Ordinary. Life Less Ordinary. This, uh, this, Delroy Lindo, got fantastic. A little, love got that. a little vibe of that in here, too. So, yeah. I've got uh, I got the transporter refueled here. You would If you had told oh me. Oh, gosh. Why does that series not go away? When when they did the transporter. And to be honest with you, I like the transporter. Jason Statham dug that. Yeah. Kind of dug the second one. A little bit. It was not, you know, a little hook in there that I thought was sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. We are deep now into the... And, and what's funny about this, it says, from the producers of the Taken trilogy, mm-hmm. the transporter refueled. I, I'm not sure why they decided that was a good thing to put on the mm-hmm. <laughs> on the label of the DVD. Yeah. But there it is. I don't know who the hell any of these people are. It's on Blu-ray. Uh, and has all kinds of special features for a mediocre fourth film in a series of films that probably should have only had one. You know what I did see when it came out? Uh, the one I have right now in my hand, The Perfect Guy, Sonal Latham, yeah. Michael Ely, Morris Chestnut. This was a good movie. I remember you, you I, I was shocked that you, because we, I think we were, weren't we yeah. on the, we were yeah. the show together? We were on the show together. And we I did this. not see this, and you came in and I thought, oh, lay into it. And you actually liked it. This was, was a good away. movie. It was, it's, it's a, look, there's, it, it, it goes along like a sort of standard thing, and then it has a twist, right? And then it has a twist on top of its twist. It's pretty good. What's funny about this movie... I'm happy for Michael Ely. Oh, Michael Ely. And for that matter, Morris Chestnut, who just keeps ticking along, keeps ticking along. He's got the television show on. I've got to love Morris. Wait till we get to Heist. (laughs) We're going to talk about him some more. So so this movie has a couple of twists in it, and you're watching it, and you think you know where it's going, and you think you know where it's at, and you realize, you know what? That's pretty good there, uh, people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to give you that one. This was a pretty lame-ass movie, but you got me. And if you get me in the last five minutes of a movie, you still win. By the way, That's you know, I did, a, uh, I did a quick search, to, uh, and I'd forgotten. Do you know how many hosts there have been of uh, Family Feud? We're on six now. Six. I'm trying to run the golf. You know, obviously Richard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Karn, the other guy from the other uh, Richard. Uh, the, uh, the obviously uh, uh, Louis Anderson. Louis. And uh, uh, the uh, and then the the uh, short guy. What was his name? He was the, he was like the second one. Oh man, that I know exactly. That, that, that short little comic guy. I, I, obviously, Steve Harvey right uh, Ray now. Combs, Ray Combs. Ray Combs. Ray Combs and Steve and then, Harvey right now. And then John O'Hurley was on it. And then John O'Hurley. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? What, the family food has been around that long. It's been around that long. Mm, yeah. It's been since the seventies. That just that is that that show just keeps getting reinvented and reinvented. So strange. I'm not sure that it gets any better. Um, did you see Sicario? We, let's talk about Sicario because you know what's amazing about Sicario? This thing just got a Producers Guild nomination for Best Picture. Did it? It did. The, it, and mind you, here's what did not get nominated for Best Picture. Carol, <laughs> Room, yeah. Star Wars, yeah. the, a bunch of films that did not get in the mix for Best Picture, but Ex Machina did. Ex Machina did. And yeah. Sicario did. Nobody saw Sicario getting in there with the producers. Look, I, I, this movie was a sleeper. Uh, it, but it does, in fact, have its supporters. Now, I appreciate this movie a great deal. There's, there's, there's I, a problem with it that I have, but I appreciate it a great deal. I love Denis Villeneuve. I, I interviewed him years ago. He knows he, how to make a move. That guy knows how to put tension together like nobody's business. I interviewed him years and years ago when he made a movie called Maelstrom, a French-Canadian film, which is just a, a, a mind trip. It really is an insanely cool movie. And then... He did uh, Incendie, which mm-hmm. is sort of uh, set in a mythic, uh, a non-specific country, presumably Lebanon, but got an Oscar nomination. Incredible powerful movie, powerful film. And then he, you know, he obviously got the call to come to Hollywood, and he's made a few films here. Prisoners had that tension, you know, was just really. And then he made the uh, the thing with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal playing uh, uh, twins. Yeah, uh, enemy, uh, whatever it is. Enemy, yeah, yeah, that that thing was was not so great. This is just really. Uh, 
I have some issues with this. Tell me what your issues are. I have my issues. First of all, Benicio del Toro, absolutely brilliant. It, essentially, essentially, it, it's a, it's a it's the story of you know trying to capture, trying to get to a a, a Mexican drug kingpin. Yeah. And and you take an FBI agent played by uh, uh, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Uh, and, and Josh Brolin, the sort of handler of it all. And she's dragged into this special team that there's a lot of shady stuff going and, on. And, and, there, and, and this is and this is my problem with the film. It com- it becomes fairly clear early on. Yeah. What the intention here is. Yeah. If you're paying attention. And, and these are very bright people. Emily Blunt's an FBI agent. She has a partner who's with her. And, uh, you know, there, there's a thing that goes down at the beginning of the film. Some of her people get killed. Uh, and they bring her in for her particularly special talents that she has, something that she can do. But they also bring her in because some of her friends got killed. Yeah. Now, once we get there in this film and a few things go down, there should be a moment in this film where she signs on. Right? Yep. And, and she's clear on what we're doing here. Yeah. And either you're in or you're out. They they let her play that back and forth thing, kind of all yeah. where she's dealing with it and trying to. And, am, I, and am I okay with this? Yeah. And what's going on? I wouldn't have done that. No. I would have had her sign on, and after she signed on, I don't think I would have had another word spoken in this film. That's interesting. It is. I, I find the film it technically incredibly well put together, but I think at a certain point the screenplay uh, doesn't do anything new. It sort of takes us into tried and true yeah. kind of uh, nouveau noir territory, right? Yeah. It's sort of dealing with you know the law and how we feel about this. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know whether when, when doing the wrong thing is the right thing, yeah. and how, you know the shady people that we have to make alliances with because there are worse people and. It, yeah, I, I get it. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about any of that. Look, Bogey was already fighting with that back yeah. in the 30s. I, I, we, we've been there and done that. I'm not interested in that. But. Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So, yeah, get rid of all of that out yeah. of this movie. I agree. And once she signs on, once she's clear on what we're doing. Hell of a hell, hell of a movie, though. Hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. Together. I really, really like it a lot. Anything I, on, on that? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's a few things on here. Some, uh, some uh, Basically, some featurettes uh, that sort of get into the into the guts of how the film was put together and uh, that's pretty much it which leads me to think that there's going to probably be some kind of a special edition down the line if they can win some awards uh, Sleeping with Other People comes to us from director Leslie uh, Headland, who previously did Bachelorette and her uh, stock and trade for those who don't know is that she makes movies about strong women and she just loads them up with all kinds of uh, you know swear words and vulgarity and just real intense raunch so she's the she's the female filmmaker that makes raunchy movies that make even guys blush. <laughs> That's what she does. Um, I did not like Bachelorette very much, but I kind of get what she's going for now. And um, it's, uh, you know, uh, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay got behind this as producers because there's a whole SNL kind of thing going on here. Uh, essentially, Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie, who are both, you know, really talented actors, uh, play this couple who had like a one night, a crazy one night stand in college. And then years later, they both just had, they, they are train wrecks, yeah. to use the Amy yeah. Schumer vernacular. They are train wrecks of people. And uh, they, they sort of become each other's way of trying to find a real relationship again. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's about falling in love after you've had sex. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. I got to tell you, I like this movie. You, we were I on the show. We I, were on the show for I this know. movie. And we talked about it. And I thought that they found, she uh, found something very subtle in these characters. There's there's an underlying sweetness below all the shock and raunch that sort of sustains it. It's like if if when Harry met Sally were were really, really filthy. Yeah. Right? You know. But there's there's something to it. And and I kind of understand her vibe now. And now that I get her vibe, I think I might take a look at Bachelorette and maybe appreciate it It more. It's kind of okay if you ask me. Anyway. Uh, I got this thing over here called Adulterage. Which the only reason I saw this movie and I did see this movie is because the guy who plays Jimmy Olsen in yes. the new Supergirl series, the brother, yeah, ball brother, yeah, it was in this movie. It's the weirdest it, thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, that was because because I don't even get to be started. I'm looking at that and it, well, not to detour us too much, but I'm looking at it, I'm like you know I'm I can totally be down with a black Jimmy Olsen. I'm fine with that. Chris Rock was almost Jimmy Olsen again, which would have been a better get better casting than Nick Cage playing Superman, but. But he's buff. <laughs> this dude looks he's like, like Superman. I'm like, he, he's he, like loafed out. A, he needs to put on a suit and go fly and save. Like something. the whole point of Jimmy Olsen is he's supposed to be kind of, kind of just you know he's spunky yeah. and he's a little skinny guy and he's got a lot of energy and people push him around. He's not. Hey, I'm Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy. 
old. Sexy as hell. Everybody in the buildings like got the hot tour of like they kind of weird. They, 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 they anyway, anyway, they, he's in, he's in this movie, and that's why I watch a neat little movie, sort of a New Orleans set thing, one of those sort yeah. of steamy New Orleans thing. Uh, a guy comes home, catches his wife with the other guy, and they get yeah. this whole sort of triangle kind of thing. Sexy, kind of kind of kind of bright. Nothing on this. Uh, loosely based, very loosely on a true story. Yeah. If you dig around, you can find the rest of that story. Jenny's wedding. Oh dear heaven. To Betsy, uh, Catherine Heigl just—I don't, you know—I don't know what it is. I just don't know why everything... that girl kills movies. Like, I mean, really, it's—it almost—they they should pass legislation. Twenty-seven. She just—it is just a, just just—and she makes the same movie over and over. She Twenty-seven makes dresses. The same mistakes over and over. Here's the problem with this: uh, Jenny's wedding is about this this really really sweet girl who um, parents keep harassing her to get married. And uh, you know, she she finally does get married. She gets married to another girl, which just <laughs> freaks the family out, and you know, uh, uh, it just it creates all kinds of uh, you know tension and friction. And Tom Wilkinson is her dad, and somehow Tom Wilkinson looks a lot like Spencer Tracy, and um, she looks a lot like Sidney Poitier. And I started having all kinds of you know. Flashbacks and and just I just thought you know what honestly I've seen this movie and 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 you know gay or race I don't care what it's it is out of date it's, it's out of so date this, this is what last year right just like a month ago like two months ago it's out of date at, at, even for the, even for the characters in the movie you know Wilkerson's yeah. character you know the character yeah. who playing her parents. People are we're gone we're done with this we do not care yeah. if you go home today anytime in Franklin the last three or four years. Ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, if you go home and you tell your mom or dad that you're going to be marrying the nice girl or that uh, or boy, yeah. more than likely they're just not going to give a damn. They're going to want to know who's paying for this crap. <laughs> that's what they're going to want to know. It's it's so it, the thing that's so sad is to watch Catherine Heigl sort of be continue to be oblivious as to why these movies don't work. Yeah, it's frustrating because there's there's so much about it that doesn't work, and she seems to want to plug herself into a persona. That that just it, it it's not where she belongs. She There's no self awareness. And the thing of it is, she's a strong female representation. She could play tough broad. Oh, she's been great. She was great yeah. on on Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Fantastic. You know, tough, yeah, that, she could do that yeah. inf- easily, easily, easily. Yeah. I said infinitely because I'm looking at infinitely polar bear. Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Saldana, two of the most attractive and affable and lovely yeah. and wonderful people you'd ever want to look yeah. at. Yeah. Uh, and they're in this perfectly terrible movie. Um, that ultimately, again, suggests that the love of a good woman or man can cure some sort of mental illness. And it can't. No. And it won't. <laughs> and, and that's just... No. And, and, but here, you know, and he's the one with the problems. And, you know, it, it, loosely based on a true story, they've got these kids. And, you know, he's had some issues. And they just love each other and love each other until everybody feels better. And that's just stupid. Uh, um, Blu-ray, uh, special features with the commentary track. Maybe in the commentary track they can explain... <laughs> What what it is they think maybe uh, about loving uh, that will cure your bipolar disease. The name of the film is Infinitely Polar Bear, and it bugs me. I, that, that stuff actually really bugs me because I have people in my family. I've, I've experienced all sorts of things to do with mental illness and, and this notion, Silver Linings Playbook, that thing. Yeah, and there was you know there was. Uh, it's always interesting when movies like this uh, come up in the discussion with with the LA film critics, where you know people who are sort of pushing Mark Ruffalo because we had a thing now, and it, it used to be, and all critics groups sort of have this, where people would win an award, an actor would win an award for like not just one performance, but for like three or four films that they, they did that year. Yeah, right. And uh, the way that that used to be was, you go around the room and you take votes and you just name your best actor. You don't name what movie they're for. And then at the end, there'd be a motion for like, well, you know, he or she was in, uh, you know, this, 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 and this. Are we going to give it to it for all? What movie are we going to give it to him yeah. for? And we realized a few years ago that that is completely ass backwards. That shouldn't we be talking about specific performances first? So every, so now we go through the room and everybody names the performance, and then there can be a motion if we want to add another one. And a lot of people were pushing for Mark Ruffalo in this as well, and uh, yeah. there was a, there was a, there was like, okay, no, and you know. Anyway, I don't think so. You and I both enjoyed this one. I'm holding the Blu-ray for Time Out of Mind, we that did. Richard Gere film, or Movement director. Yeah, um, and and I still, you know, I, I kind of hate that this sort of completely fell off the radar yep. during our uh, award season mm-hmm. run here because Richard's performance, uh, Richard's performance in this movie. 
plainly he was given a performance that he was hoping would be noticed, and I think that he gave one. Yep. Um, the movie does not quite sort itself out over the long haul. Uh, Richard Gere plays this guy. He ends up sort of homeless, roaming around the streets of New York. Richard Gere, like you haven't seen him before, sort of, you know, beat up and twenty years past his prime. It, it, uh, Owen, uh, Owen, Owen, Mover, uh, Owen Moverman uh, does a really interesting job here. It's very much an experimental film because there's really no plot. No, there's no plot to this. It is, uh, it is a, a, a character study with an arc, and and I think we want to distinguish between the character arc and plot. This is all character arc. Yeah. It is, it is about a guy who we don't quite understand how he got there, but it's about him coming to a realization of how he got there. And yeah. as he comes to that realization, we also do. So it very much puts us inside that experience. And it does it in a, in a way that is not necessarily entertaining, but it is very emotionally moving. And felt, kind of, felt so true to me. I mean, I kind of understood... I fly on the wall. Guy. I know this guy. Yes, right. fly, yeah, fly I, I know wall. a guy like this guy. You know, yeah. a guy who when I when I knew him twenty years ago and he was handsome and he you know, way with the ladies and, mm-hmm. and you know twenty years go by and you're not so handsome anymore and that way with the ladies is gone and now you live on the corner. Yep. Ben Vereen also shows up yeah. in this movie. Watch this movie for twenty five minutes before I knew that was Ben Vereen. Wow. Just being outstanding. That's yeah. this is other homeless yeah. who Blu-ray, lots of good stuff on it, special features with the commentary track. I'm a big fan of commentary tracks, by the way, particularly uh, from directors, writers, yeah. producers, uh, not so much actors, but when directors, writers, and producers do commentary tracks, I'm a big fan of that. Um, Oren is on this track along with Richard Gere. Pan in 3D. My goodness. I, I, I think we may have finally seen the death of all attempts to continually t- spin Peter Pan movies in movies. Uh, the pin- Peter that Pan movie story bit in it movies. hard. Bit it hard. Wow, did this tank hard. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, this is kind of like a quasi-prequel to Peter Pan. And we've already had, independent of all animated Peter Pans and all kind of older Peter Pans, in the modern era, we have had already the standard Peter Pan, which yeah. which was told uh, by uh, the uh, director of uh, that was a few years ago. The director of uh, um, Muriel's Wedding, oh, P.J. Yeah. Hogan. Yeah, P.J. Hogan made a big studio Peter Pan, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was really yeah. pretty good. I mean, the kid playing Peter Pan sucked, which is a problem. But everything else was was pretty decent. But then we also had Hook, Hook the Spielberg, Spielberg film, which Hook. is the after the fact, the grown Peter Pan. Now we're sort of trying to complete the dysfunctional trilogy by making a prequel, and man, did it stink. Uh, Hugh Jackman, bald, uh, just n- as Blackbeard, not kicking it. Um, you know, man, this... And Rooney Mara, boy, did that catch some flack. Yeah. Uh, People, I think people got caught up between... They didn't know who to be more angry at. They didn't know whether to be more angry at Rooney Mara playing Tiger Lily in here, even though she's not Native American, or whether to be more angry at uh, Emma Stone for playing a, oh, a, Hawaiian, yeah. a Swedish Hawaiian for Cameron Crowe. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've got some problems with casting there, people. Please try to pay attention. Um, but anyway, uh, you know what? I mean, it looks good, but Joe Wright, man, he laid an egg. It's really too bad. Really, really too bad. Better director than that. I hope he. Uh, I hope he gets back to his uh, to his roots, to his, you know, uh, very classic British roots, and does oh, something yeah, like yeah. Uh, Atonement again. Put an end. Put an end to Peter Pan movies yeah. for a while. That's anyway, okay. that's okay. With three three D Blu Ray, regular Blu Ray, DVD, and ultraviolet, all packed onto one very unfortunate disc with a lenticular cover that is just pleading <laughs> with you. It says, "Buy me, buy me." Please buy me. It's like getting poked in the eye. Yeah. Uh, Hitman, Agent 47. I didn't, yeah, Tim of the Elephant was in the original Hitman. First of all, it's an adaptation of a yeah. uh, game. Yeah. Uh, didn't particularly care for the first one. A little bit surprised when this one came out. Rupert Friend playing the Hitman here. Uh, Rupert Friend uh, does not a, have a uh, head that is friendly uh, to uh, <laughs> near baldness. It, you know, some heads look great when they're almost bald, some don't. Uh, uh, quite so much. Anyway, um, if you're if you're a fan of either the game or this series of films, I suppose you might enjoy this. Uh, Rupert Friend, um, uh, digital HD on the uh, Blu-ray. What do they got on this thing? Deleted scenes, um, a game. Interestingly enough, mm-hmm. and a digital comic. 
So um, here we go. We have Heist. Now, Heist is an interesting little straight-to-video thing. We talked about this earlier. This is from the uh, Lionsgate premiere line. This was in theaters very briefly before making its way to the current Blu-ray uh, and digital HD. This is the Chestnut. Morris uh, Chestnut. Moment, right? so, so, yeah, and, and, Harry, and, uh, and uh, Henry Dean Morgan as well. So here's the, here's the deal with this story. Uh, Robert De Niro, again... We, all three of these, we've already talked about all three of these guys this week. So Robert De Niro is basically a, um, he's, you know, he's a gangster. He runs a, a gambling establishment, and Harry Dean Morgan works for him. They have a bit of a history. Harry Dean Morgan uh, needs money to, you know, save his kid. His, his little kid is dying, and he needs money to help. And, you know, De Niro's a big tough guy and says, nope, I'm not going to give you any money. Too bad. So he, does, he hooks up with some other guys from, you know, who are a little bit shady, and they decide to basically rip him off. And they pull off this massive heist, but things go a little wrong. And then De Niro sends, you know, his enforcer, Morris Chestnut, out to rip. Dude, Morris Chestnut has been such a sweet, nice guy for so long. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this through throughout the 1990s Morris Chestnut made at least 8, 9, 10 movies that all had some variation of a one sheet that showed him <laughs> like next to a really angry black woman and yeah. he's, and he's with shrugging their arms, with, their with their arms folded <laughs> and he's shrugging <laughs> he's looking, just, just looking this is with yeah. that beautiful smile yeah just going what did I do <laughs> yeah. I don't know a sweet guy <laughs> and then he made that movie like a dozen times and here he is just ruthless and brutal and I am so thrilled that he has this new dimension to his career it's like dude play heavies keep yeah. playing heavies yeah. that's a new deal a little bit um, of dimensionality in the character I'll say this. This is a very, very boilerplate action film. It would be a straight-to-video, throwaway, fairly decently done. Uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, of, of uh, speed in here when they, you know, they're all on the, there's a bus, right? There's a runaway bus, and there's a whole thing on the hijacked bus. Um, but it, ha- it does have some really good twists. Does I'll it move it pretty good? It moves well. It's got two decent twists, despite all the other cliched stuff, and despite the fact that Gina Carano cannot act. She was really good in that Soderbergh thing. Uh, she was. She's look, Gina Carano, of course, kickboxer, you know, yeah. uh, mixed martial arts fighter, and she's 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 hot and she's tough and she's you know you you if you if you're if you're a straight dude, you want her to beat you up. You really do. I just wonder if it's her or if it's the the, the Soderbergh's a great director and yeah. you know he got a performance out of it. He did. So I just wonder if it's her or if it's or, or, if it's or just, yeah, yeah. But, you know I, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, if it's, but it's, so you know who directed the thing? Uh, this was directed by boy. Uh, put me on the spot there. Cause, cause, I'm trying to find the guy's name. Sometimes, sometimes an actor needs a director to 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 get them in the pocket. Soderbergh can get performances out of almost anybody, uh, and and you know, so, so so I just wonder sometimes um, whether or not it's the actor or the or, or director. That movie there, uh, though, looked pretty good. The yeah the it, it, it's a, no it's a good looking film it's a decently done film for its budget and it has a great cast I mean you know Morgan is fantastic he's he's good in everything he he, he just he brings that kind of gravitas to everything that he does but um, the the director is Scott Mann no relation to Michael Mann no even relation. though it looks very Michael Mann he's Scott Mann yeah uh, but it's it, you know it's fine it's adequate I mean if you like the actors I think you'll probably like the film yeah yeah I got the I got Maze Runner the Scorch Trials which keep, is the whatever. sequel to the yeah. you know and uh, you know, obviously one of these sort of useless yeah. things. You know, forever I got this series mixed up with the Divergent series. Oh yeah, no, 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 no comparison. For, for whatever reason, I just thought they were the same damn thing to make. Well, uh, but, but you're right, no comparison here. Uh, this is the Blu-ray uh, for the for this film. Same director, Wes Ball. Audio, a lot of stuff here. Audio commentary from Wes, the screenwriter, writer, the producer. Uh, a couple of actors and the and the and the editor of the film, which I think is really sort of interesting. You don't see a lot of editor commentary. Tracks. No. Uh, on films, a lot of deleted scenes and extras and this, that, and the other thing. I imagine this is popular with some particular group uh, of people. I mean, they made two, yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, you know. If and I think there's another one coming, but uh, you know, as far as the uh, the other ones, you know, we got Allegiant coming. <laughs> that's that's the. Uh, that's the big wrap-up, I think, unless it, it's two-part. Are they doing a two-part, third-part thing again? Yeah, I'm so sick of that. that. You're broken into two parts, yeah. yeah. Sick of that. So, uh, Captive. Now, I want to spend just a moment on Captive because I, I have a connection to this. Uh, Captive is the uh, – this is a, a, a decent little low-budget film from Paramount 
that effectively tells the... Some people may remember this story some years ago. It took place in Atlanta. There was a guy. He was, he was in, a, in, in court and trial, found out that his girlfriend was pregnant, and he basically went on a rampage in the courtroom, got a hold of a gun, killed the judge, killed a bailiff, goes on a, and escapes and winds up taking this woman hostage who's a recovering drug addict, and she reads to him from that Rick Warren book, yeah. and he turned himself in, and it's a you know, wonderful humanistic story. So there you go. That's the story. True event. True story. This is that story with David Oyelowo playing the, uh, the fugitive and the convict and Kate Mara playing the woman that he, uh, he takes uh, hostage. Um, I, I effectively lived with this movie for over a year because yeah. my wife was hired to uh, do the delivery on this film. And uh, you know what? So I'm, I'm not as objective as I perhaps should be, but I will say Oyelowo is fantastic. And yeah. Kate Mara is really, really good. And uh, it is... It is even though it's ostensibly a faith-based film because of the Rick Warren connection, it never it's hardly even figures into this. It's really much more these two characters. It's very much of a chamber piece. And uh, I think I think it, I think they did a wonderful job with it. I think they did a really wonderful job. And Oyelowo made this before he made Selma, but the film was released after. Yeah. Um, which I don't know the the details on uh, Paramount's acquisition, but I'll tell you, you know, Oyelowo also did that uh, that one man uh, that one man performance for television. Oh yeah, uh, he's he's the man of the moment, and uh, you know he's uh, another one of these great British actors who are taking over Hollywood. Yeah, that, dramatic actor wise, and you know, and deservedly so. He is quite yep. good. Um, this is Meckett's film, The Walk. Did you see this when it came out? You know. I, I, I saw it in 3D, gigantic. What was it? It was. It was like. I think. I think it was like 3D, not just 3D. It was, but it was IMAX like. 3D. Yeah, it was like. Uh, it was IMAX 4D. It st- it actually started in the future and took you into the past, and <laughs> I think it, it it somehow connected to Back to the Future. It, no, it it. Uh, I got really weird. I have really a weird reaction to this movie, and. I, it, it's, it's, I find it interesting that it was very highly acclaimed at the time. Yeah. Critics loved it, but yet it's completely out of the awards. Gone. It's Non-existent. Gone. No one is talking about it. Maybe what, special effects people or something like what's that. Your, what's your thought? The movie is, the first half of this movie is, well, maybe it's not a half, maybe it's a quarter. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bit of a mess, and we're setting up the whole you know, yeah. It's a little clumsy. And all this clumsy. This kind of, no, no, no fault of Joyce Gordon-Levitt, though. He no. is actually quite good, but it's very clumsy. Now, then we get into what is effectively a caper film. Yeah, uh, an Ocean's Eleven sort of thing. You know, pulling off the the event of, of walking between mm. the towers. That's a pretty good movie, right there. Yeah. You know, it's sort of not of the stomach stuff. Problem with this movie is it should have started yeah. with that. Yeah, uh, just just I, I don't really need to meet Philippe Petit's you know yeah. mentor played you. by Ben Kingsley when he's in there. Mm. I just don't care yeah. uh, about all that stuff. And you know the. So the movie did not work really. You had to sit through that first half of the movie to get through, you know, the bad half of the movie to get to the, the decent part of the movie. And I think the reason that it fell off completely ultimately is because if you do not see it in IMAX 3D, 4D, you're, you're missing ninety. You're missing ninety percent of yeah, what the effect right. is. This, this. So now that brings us to whether or not we recommend this Blu-ray. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know that I can recommend this as an experience because you're not getting the experience. Even if it is in high def Blu-ray 3D, yeah, I don't think it. No. it no. And frankly, something about that makes it look worse because it's now kind of, you can see that all this stuff is fake. There are moments in this movie where nothing is real. There are moments yeah. when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, yeah. Philippe's character, is walking out there on that wire, yeah. and, the, and he becomes one of those people in the Titanic. Yeah. Remember when the Titanic? And, yeah. it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a digital Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it's it's true. plain to see. Yeah. Digital Blu-ray, you, you might yeah. as well climb into the screen yourself. <laughs> and, so, you know, and, and part of it for me is that I was a huge fan of Man on Wire, the, doc, the original documentary exactly, that won yeah. the Oscar. Uh, Marsh, James Marsh. James Marsh, would, who would go on to do you know, Theory of Everything. Uh, which was a big Oscar contender last year, and and that is such a riveting doc because it really immerses you in the real guy. I mean, the photographs, and it ha- yeah, it has a bunch of that recreation stuff in it, um, which is how Marsh became. You know, he got theory of everything, but it, but the recreation stuff is is sort of in the service of everything else. I don't know. It 
I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'll have an opinion on this film for a few years because I want, I really want Zemeckis to come back and keep doing stuff like this in flight. That's what I want him to do. I don't want him to do any more of that mocap stuff. Like, well, yeah, that... I mean, he, he went off into, the, into that tech. He, you know, he, same thing Lucas did. Yeah. Went off into technology world. Yeah. And, you know, and created some interesting technology, all of which is obsolete now. Yep. Everything George Lucas created as a technician is yep. obsolete today. Isn't that amazing? And everything that Robert Zemeckis created as a technician, you know, the computer guy with the, you know, all obsolete. No one cares. Well, our last, uh, our last one to film today is another one that has dropped off the awards radar. Curious about your thoughts on this, too. Pawn Sacrifice, uh, Liev Schreiber and uh, Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Um, uh, basically recreating the, that legendary moment when uh, Bobby, Bo Fischer, Bobby yeah. Fischer and um, the, uh, the legendary uh, Soviet uh, Leon Spassky sort of collided in that, in that famous Cold War chess match. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Peter Sarsgaard is in this as well, and we, we have another movie that we'll be talking about uh, of his next week. But um, this really, Ed Zwick, these two actors, yeah. this moment in time, yeah. why is this not any, I mean, in our, in our voting, no, nothing from this film showed up. And which is Nobody. surprising, because I would Because it's thought, not a bad film. It's, it's a very good film, actually. It's a very yeah. good film. And I would have thought, because for one thing, this is our generation. I was a yeah. kid... I remember this so well. When all that was going on, I remember all of that. Bobby Fischer was uh, something of a hero. He's insane now, but you know, I didn't know. Well, he was insane then, too, yeah, but he kept but, it under wraps. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he went off anti-Semitic and all kinds of yeah. problems with Bobby. <laughs> but, but back then, yeah. Bobby Fischer was a hero of mine, and, and all of that was such a big deal. And I wonder if that movie sort of going away has something to do with just, you know, it just sort of fell out of the zeitgeist, sort of the, sort of the contemporary zeitgeist. you got to be a certain age to even know who these yeah. people are. And certainly you have to be a certain age to know what this all meant. This had so much more to do uh, than a chess game. This didn't have anything to do with the damn chess game. No. It was about the chess game, but yeah. it was not about the chess game. And, and they know that in this movie. Part of me thinks that Universal simply doesn't care about awards. Part of me thinks that the whole new regime at they Universal... They don't push hard, do they? They don't. They really don't. And i got to believe that if they had just made a little bit of an effort... Had a, had a reception or two, played the game, sent out some screeners, we did not made, a, that. made a few phone calls, I would be willing to bet that both of these guys would have shown up. You know, Toby would have gotten it. I mean, they wouldn't have won anything, but at least it would have been in the in the mix, you know. Uh, and and Shriver's good in this, man. He's really good. And all this, these things matter, folks. I mean, we, we yeah. make fun of a lot of them yeah. around award season. You know, parties, rich people having parties. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, award season in terms of the economics of this town, yep. pocketbook economics for companies and individuals mm -hmm. is an important thing, and people should know that. This it isn't is. just all this crap that you see on TV. Very this, true. Is, this makes a difference in a big, big way. Yep. All right. Well, with that, Tim, we are done for this week, ah. and uh, we will have you back next week. And then uh, after that, uh, we will get to hear all of Mark's... Uh, exciting travails and his adventures in, in working this horrible job that's been such a secret to all of us. So otherwise, we will see each other tomorrow night and have a grand old time at the L.A. Film Critics Annual Awards Dinner. Hopefully nobody will fall down.